News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 173 of the Luke Messias Show. Guys, we just finished a fantastic Republican state convention. I remind everybody and I reminded a lot of people while we were there that this is the largest political gathering in America. When it happens, it is the second largest political gathering in the world that exists. And the only one larger than this convention is the Chinese Communist Party's convention. I'm pretty sure the people that do attend don't really have a voice. They're probably forced to be there. So we could just say this is the largest free political association uh, gathering that happens in the world. And it is like no other. I'm going to give you some of the highlights. And I saw so many of our listeners, some people who said they watch us on YouTube, they listen to us on Spotify and Apple and got all sorts of feedback from so many of you there. Really appreciated getting that and hearing your feedback on the show. So many of you that are regular listeners, uh, we really do appreciate it. And I appreciated meeting so many of you there. It was a busy week. We were doing a lot. And so I, I felt like I would have loved to have more time just to sit down and talk to more people. But there was a lot to accomplish while we were there and much was accomplished. That's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. After that, and I want to ask you to stay through to the end because we are going to have a conversation with Jacob Asmussen, um, who's going to talk to us about Exposed, uh, the second season of Exposed, which is had been a really successful show here at Texas Scorecard, a podcast. And we're going to have um, a conversation about what they're going to be talking about, what Jacob's going to be bringing to you in this second season. It's really some fascinating stuff on the public education system. And so please just stick with us uh, through the show because we're going to have that conversation at the end. Matt Rinaldi was elected. He was not only reelected, he was reelected without any opposition, which is really telling because I can tell you that there are massive establishment forces in our party, elected politicians, statewide officials. We talked about Greg Abbott not even wanting to support the party. He eventually was forced to with pressure, but he is not supportive of Chairman Rinaldi. We have a lot of donors, more moderate donors in the party who don't want to give money, don't want to see the party succeed because it is being led by somebody who is a conservative culture warrior and somebody who actually can clearly articulate the stands of our party and advocate for those things. And so Matt Rinaldi being reelected and unopposed in his reelection was a huge win for grassroots Texans. The other win was the vice chair race. Dr. Dana Myers is somebody who I know, who a lot of delegates know. Her and Alma Perez Jackson were two very conservative individuals who were running for vice chair. Adrian Peña Garza was Probably arguably an upgrade from Cat Parks, who was the current vice chair, um, but probably the least conservative of the three. And she came in third. And then you had two conservatives running in a runoff election and Dr. Dana Myers got elected. I believe what we will see is that Dr. Dana Myers over the next several months is a considerable upgrade from our current vice chair, who's been very, let's say, antagonistic to the chair and the party whenever they've taken stronger, more conservative stances. And that was brought to like that. If you're questioning whether that is an accurate statement, you should recognize the fact that Chairman Dade Phelan, who still has yet to take a position on whether he even opposes drag queens, who did not get involved with the convention, who did not sponsor it at all. The only thing he did do 
was host a private thank you party to Cat Parks. So any of you who are wondering, oh, well, is Cat Parks really aligned with that side of the party? No, they're so grateful that over the last two years, she's provided them a lot of cover. They had a private little reception that could was a thank you to Cat Parks for her service. And conservative delegates were not invited to participate in that party because for conservatives, they, would, they were largely celebrating the fact that we got an upgrade from our current vice chair to somebody who's going to work with Matt Rinaldi to advance our legislative priorities, ensure that as much of our platform is actually passed into law as possible, to empower and amplify the voice of the delegates. So that was a huge thing that came out of the convention. The other thing that came out was that John Cornyn was booed. And uh, just before I talk about this, we're just going to go to a quick clip. Um, and this is going to be a fraction of what was actually experienced. And we're going to talk about it. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you all a quick snippet of John Cornyn's speech. So let's go to this clip. Okay, guys. So what you just heard was 30 seconds of what ended up being maybe seven minutes of booing for his 10-minute speech. It was electrifying. I was right there in the middle of it. And here's what I will tell you. I'm going to tell you a couple things for those of you who maybe were there but haven't been to other past conventions. There have been a number of people booed at convention. George P. Bush was booed for trying to sell the Alamo basically to the left. Um, David Dewhurst was booed in his race against Ted Cruz. And that was kind of a, a turning point. Everyone realized just how much all of the grassroots was against Dewhurst and for Ted Cruz. That was a huge uh, boost. And so there have been these moments in history where at Republican conventions, people have gotten booed. OK, none of that even fractionally compares to what happened to John Cornyn. When George P. Bush was booed, he was booed for a couple minutes and he was booed by, I would just, I'm just going to venture to guess 20% of the people in the audience. So it's enough of a negative effect where people in the room go, man, a lot of people here don't like George P. Bush. Okay. It was half of the convention, if not more. And I would say that conservatively, 75% of the room had had it with John Cornyn, but most people just by nature don't like booing. Okay. It's not natural. I, I, I think I've only done it like twice in my life. And, and, uh, I will say that 95% of Luke Macias's booing that has audibly come out of my mouth has been at this Republican state convention against John Cornyn. And traditionally you have a lot of older people on the floor and those people are like less comfortable with booing. I'm just going to tell you, they were not uncomfortable. I was looking at people. I just say, Hey, do you own a gun? Yes. Why aren't you booing? They'd be like, you're right. They'd get up and start booing. It was awesome. And the convention was sending a message to John Cornyn that says, don't sell us out, which is exactly what he's done. And we've talked about that on the show. And all of you who have emailed us after our John Cornyn episodes and thanked us for doing that, you should know that your voice and our voice and the delegate's voice was heard. Whether John Cornyn will change his actions is probably unlikely. But there is no way he walked out of that room not knowing that the vast majority of Republicans not only do not agree with you, but they vehemently do not agree with you and will go to war with you over this sellout. And that was a great message to send. Um, and honestly, th the videos of Cornyn's booze have gotten millions and millions and millions of views across the nation. And that's incredibly 
uh, beneficial to us as grassroots Texans to send that kind of message and to have that ring loud and clear. For those of you who did not hear Dan Patrick's speech, I can't post it because when it comes to just the time we have today, I don't know that uh, y'all want to do that, but I will try to get a clip posted somewhere of the entire speech and I can post that on some of our social media channels uh, so that y'all can go watch it. Dan Patrick gave an excellent speech at the Republican State Convention. He laid out a conservative vision. He let all the delegates know that he actually supported our conservative platform and legislative priorities. He also assured the delegates that the Texas Senate was dedicated to passing those legislative priorities. And he said they would pass them quickly because he also acknowledged the fact that the Texas House of Representatives killed a lot of the policy that we sent to them last session. That is incredibly encouraging for conservatives who want to make sure we get as many conservative policies as possible. So those are some highlights from the actual convention floor. And now we're going to get into some sub, some substantive things that happened as well that ended up getting debated on the floor as well. So from Patrick's speech, I think actually the best thing to go to is the Democrat chair issue. So this is an issue that has never been a legislative priority that wasn't even in our platform last uh, convention, but that Brian Slayton brought to the forefront. Conservative state representative from East Texas, Brian Slayton brought to the forefront at the second day of session on the rules debate by saying we should ban Democrat chairs. And you've heard us talk a lot about this issue, but I will tell you this issue in a in a one-year time frame in a one and a half year time frame, has become one of the biggest issues for the Republican Party, and that is a good thing. Representative Slayton was there at the convention. He had a massive presence at the convention. He was applauded by more people. They uh, announce all the state reps, right? And some of these state reps, they, you know, their little area, their little county goes, yay, our state rep. And when Brian Slayton came out on the stage, the entire convention started cheering and yelling. And the reason is, is because they feel like this guy is amplifying their voice. And they know that so many state reps in the legislature don't amplify their voice. So when they find them, they appreciate them. They applaud them. Well, the Democrat chair issue became big. And actually, I'm going to show you the Legislative Priorities Committee brought this forth of their top 15 as their second highest ranked legislative priority. And it is. And so this comes to the floor. And when it comes to the floor, uh, some forces that are against this issue uh, got up and opposed it. And we're going to show you a clip of what happened, because what you're what you're about to listen to is somebody getting up and making a motion to strip this as one of the 15 legislative priorities. And I want you to hear what he says, what four different people say in opposition, which you're going to hear uh, myself as one of those four. And then you're going to hear the convention, which, by the way, this is the largest political gathering in the world say how they stand on this issue. And I want you to hear how many people say they support the Democrat chair ban and like the 12 people on the floor that oppose it. Okay, so let's go to that clip. I see her going, so I'm, I'm waiting. Rex, Rex Teeter, SD6, I second the motion. Okay. It's been a motion and a second. Any, would you like to speak in favor of your proposed amendment? By leaving this in the list, Something else will drop off that we can empower legislation on. We are limited by rule to eight items that we can work during the legislative session. Um, and since this is not legislation, we need to just hit our legislators to get it done by rule. Thank you. 
Against on mic two. Is that me? Okay, Terry Hall, SD24. Folks, we voted on this in the Republican. I'm speaking uh, against striking this. We want the chance to vote to keep Democrats from being committee chairs and killing our priorities. Anyone who, like me, has been doing this for 20 years knows that's the method they use to kill our priorities. This should be in your top three, folks. And we voted on this in the Republican primary on our propositions a few months ago, and 86% of voters agreed we have to get rid of Democrats as committee chairs. We have mic three. Yes, sir. This is Joseph Schroeder from SD2. I rise to speak against the motion to strike the ban against Democrat chairs. The reason is these legislative priorities are to give our legislators priority. It is not priority to create legislation unless we are calling for legislation. Our priority here is to call our legislators to change their own rules. Thank you. Um, Mike, one. Luke Macias, we have legislative priorities on this list that are going to go be sent to committees chaired by Democrats. And these delegates are smart enough to know that we need it as a top three legislative priority so all of our platform has a chance to pass instead of being sent to Marxists who hate our state. Okay, we got, I'm gonna call on Mike Four. Hold on one second. Uh, I want to announce that amendments in writing should be brought to the sergeant at arms near the stage and not, could you guys raise your hand who are taking sergeant at arms by the stage and not to the staff office upstairs. Mike Four, and this is gonna be the final against. Ferrando, Ferrando Hayward, SD 25. I stand against this amendment for this reason. As stated, we know when our legislators want to kill things, they send it to someone chaired by a Democrat. So this will allow us to have our legislative priorities passed. We have reached the limit on speakers against. I'm seeing no speakers for. We'll call the question. All in favor of striking banning Democratic chairs as a legislative priority, please indicate by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Aye. Maybe a division? No, the, the, the no's have it. The motion fails. Just realize that the people standing up on this issue, this is what I was so encouraged by. I was running into people that I did not know. 
that had just gotten involved in Texas politics. And they were saying, we have to ban Democrat chairs. And that is what Representative Slayton has done for us in pushing this issue. He has made it such that even people who are newly getting involved see from the beginning, this is a problem in Texas politics, especially in the Texas House, specifically in the Texas House, and must be changed. Dan Patrick has one Democrat chairman. He's actually over a committee. He's done a good job on that committee. And that Democrat in particular is actually like for law and order more often than not. It's also a committee that Dan Patrick never sends any big bills to that are big Republican priorities for this guy to kill. So he steers everything else away, unlike what the Texas House does time and time again. The Democrat chair issue becoming such a big legislative priority is a huge victory for conservatives, for the grassroots, and uh, shows that we're going to continue to push this issue every single day. There was another push uh, uh, to water down the homosexuality and gender identity sections of the platform that was done on the floor. And uh, the if you were there, it was absolutely awesome. But the, there is a minority report that was given that basically tried to water down the language. Specifically, they took issue with the fact that the Republican platform called it abnormal behavior. And they referred to sexual revolutionaries and the sexual acts that they decide to participate in as abnormal behavior. And a lot of, um, in fact, the the gentleman, Dave Gebhardt, who presented the minority report called that inflammatory language. But I think the reality is that the delegates showed that they don't believe that's inflammatory language. So uh, there is a there is a, a statement. This is a G.K. Chesterton quote. He says, truth without love is mean. And love without truth is meaninglessness. And so there is this movement afoot that basically says you have to remove the proclamation of truth in order to love. And that is basically where the idea that this inflammatory language that saying that's abnormal is inflammatory. If we hold that position, we've already lost Guys, we acknowledge on this show almost every week that Texas is actually losing ground to sexual revolutionaries far more than we're gaining it. And that's why these issues have become such a big issue. And that's why they have to be. That's why we have to go on offense on them. Because they are going to become more normal every day. And the more normal it is for a drag queen to dance in front of a six-year-old kid and let them put dollar bills in their underwear the worse off we are. And if you don't recognize the fact that all of that activity is abnormal and if it is allowed to be declared as normal, or even let's just say, well, we just don't want to call it that. We don't want to call it normal. We just want to stay silent on whether it is or is not. All we're doing is seeding that ground. Really encouraging though, the delegates were very clear that they absolutely supported the stronger plank and language in the platform. That was a huge victory. Last but not least, before we get to our conversation with Jacob, we had a big fight on the election code being in our rules. And so this is going to get wonky, but it is incredibly important. It's probably the biggest victory that conservatives had during this convention. So there was a move to, uh, there, there was a coalition, a conservative coalition that worked to remove the election code from the entire rules of the Republican Party. And the reason this was done was because last session, Representative Cody Vasut, unfortunately a member of the Freedom Caucus, decided to try to squash 
the voice of the grassroots, okay? So he tried to diminish the voice of the grassroots by pushing legislation that would say that the chairman, the vice chairman, and members of the state Republican Executive Committee, the SREC, be placed on the primary ballot. And here's what they wanted to do. They wanted not the delegates who attend the convention to elect the SREC members. If you're a delegate listening to this, you voted for your SREC member. And I will tell you, side note, before I get back to this, we had massive successful SREC campaigns. I will tell you that by my count, there are five, six, seven, eight more conservative voices on the SREC than were there last year, okay, before this convention. So multiple different upgrades where conservatives beat more establishment members of the state Republican Executive Committee. So your SREC which govern the work of our party for the next two years, has become a more conservative body. Huge win for us. There's a lot of politicians who don't like that. They want the party to be more accountable to them, not the delegates, but to them. And so they used Cody Vasut, and Cody Vasut advocated and pushed for policy that would have stripped the grassroots of a stronger voice and amplified the voice of politicians. Super sad to watch. It was defeated. And one of the things that was really encouraging is Bob Hall actually got up during this debate on the floor and said, this happened last session, guys. And if you don't do this and remove all this election code, it could happen again. We need to send a message. This is a sitting state senator telling the grassroots, I want to amplify your voice. That's what we have to do right now. So there was a move on the floor to put all these references to election code back in. So what, what am I talking about? Why does this matter? Let me explain it real quick. The Republican Party is a private association. It is not a government body. And the lawmakers, the legislature, cannot come in and dictate how they elect their board, how they elect their chairman. That is, a, that is the convention that gets to do that. That's the delegates. That's the members of the Republican Party. They decide. And so this removal of election code from our rules just further cemented and established the fact that these politicians in Austin, even if they don't like it, even if Cody Vasut decides, I want to go amplify the voice of me and my fellow colleagues and diminish the voice of the grassroots, he can't even try to do that. He can't, I mean, he can, but they're going to fail in court. So there were a lot of people that pushed back when I say a lot of people. There was a very loud minority that tried to scuttle these rules, to kill the rules, to amend the rules, to put all the references of election code back in, and they failed miserably. Carrie Cheshire said it best. They got slaughtered. And so this is, again, another win for grassroots that came out of the convention. There's a bunch of other wins that came out, to be honest. There's a ton we could talk about, and some of it we will talk about in future episodes. But I will just say that if you were there you witnessed a, an incredibly successful convention for conservatives. Hands down, cannot be denied. And this is why grassroots Texans have to stay involved at the party level. You have to go to your county conventions. You have to go to your senatorial district conventions next time. You have to come back as a delegate and engage and be involved because we have control of the party and we should not give it up. So now I want to have a conversation with my friend, um, Jacob Asmussen, who works here uh, at Scorecard and has brought us a, he's going to bring us a second season of 
a show called Exposed. So if you have not subscribed to this show, you should go subscribe to it. They brought out in their first season a lot of corruption that was happening in Round Rock ISD and kind of specifically focused on Round Rock. But now they're coming back with a second season. And I've asked Jacob to come here and talk to us about that. So Jacob, why don't you tell us, uh, thank you for joining me, by the way. Why don't you tell us what you're doing in the second season, recap the first season very quickly, and then tell us what you're doing in the second season. Yeah, Luke. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, the purpose of Exposed is to do a deep dive on stories that bureaucrats and establishment players don't want told to the public. And so in the first season, we uncovered a scandal in a local school district that uh, tends to happen in too many across the state. And the second season, we are doing a look behind the curtain into the entire Texas public education system itself. Now, look, we're certainly not the first to talk about the public education system. I mean, it's been a hot issue for decades, and parents can find encyclopedias of facts and charts and graphs about the education system. They can find millions of different opinions, right? But what we're doing with this docudrama style story series is we're taking parents on a journey throughout Texas to see the system itself. How does it really operate? Where is your money actually going when you pay it every single month to the system? Um, why have there been decades of politicians' promises, of new programs, reforms, more buildings, more money, untold billions of dollars, and yet the results still aren't getting better for our kids? And so we want to show parents um, how this system actually is operating and what they can do about it right now. And furthermore, how can events from the past, even like the Soviet Union, the Berlin Wall, Chernobyl, how can that warn us about the current situation we're in today? So that's what we want to do. We're showing parents a look behind the curtain at the system itself. Really excited about it. Episodes one and two uh, and three, all of them are coming out this week. And, uh, we hope it's useful for parents. What, because you, you know, you and I have talked about this issue for a long time, right? And so you didn't start the investigation and the creation of season two with a, with this, some idea that the, the system is actually really good and now you've understood it's broken. What would you say is something that you went into it not knowing that you threw all the research and what, people will experience through the second season will walk away. Maybe even if they know, you, I would just say this, right? Most of our listeners know that the system's broken, but what is something that you said, wow, I didn't know that aspect, or I didn't realize this. What are some key takeaways for you? I think overall, just a clearer picture of the education machine itself, right? Like like parents across the state, you know, everyone knows, right? The, the results aren't work. Something's not working, right? But we just see little glimpses here and there. Oh, this individual school board member did this, or this individual administrator did that, or maybe there was a bad uh, bond package or this and that, right? But there are all these just little glimpses, and and we can't really see the entire machine itself. What what are the actual parts in the system? How does it actually operate? When you pour in money every month, where is it actually going? And so so that's the goal here. And that's something I learned throughout my research is, okay, let me actually see uh, uh, more of the picture here of what's really happening in the system so that we can know the truth of what to do about it now. Got it. 
Uh, you mentioned that there are three episodes that are all getting released this week. The, it's a total of five. Uh, episodes one and two are on Monday, and then one each day until Thursday. So by Thursday, all five episodes will be out. They're all about 10 minutes each. Again, uh, a lot of really um, riveting stories in there. Um, this isn't just a list of graphs or charts. Um, a lot of really interesting stuff. And again, the goal is to reveal par- to parents, show them a look behind the curtain so that they can understand more of how this whole state system actually works and what they can do about it right now. So this is like a Netflix style release where the, the it all comes out in a week, which means that if you want to go and consume the entire series, you're going to be able to do that from now till the end of the week or next week. Absolutely. Jacob, thank you for all the work you're doing. I know that your work on this issue is only beginning, right? It, it was really big with the, with the first season, now the second season. There's going to continue to be more and more stories that get told. And I'm glad that Scorecard is covering these type of topics because um, what's very clear is that parents have woken up more than they ever have before. They want more information. They're hungry for it. But not just that. They're taking action based on the information that they're getting, right? I think more so than what we've seen over a long time is that parents would complain. You would go to a barbecue, you'd hang out with people after church and realize, oh, I'm so frustrated by this. I don't like this. Hey, somebody taught my, tried to tell my kid this thing that I don't agree with. It's not like this is the first time this ever happened. But you're seeing more and more parents go, you know what? I'm just done. This is not what I have to tolerate. What do I need to do to change? So I'm, I'm grateful for your willingness to kind of bring this information because I think it will help empower more parents with the tools and the knowledge to actually do something um, with it. So thank you for coming and joining us today. Thanks for having me. Again, I just want to thank so many of you who came up to me during the Republican State Convention and let me know that you listen to our show, that you watch the show, that you follow the show. I'm really grateful um, for your willingness to stay engaged with the content that we provide. If you haven't rated the podcast, please consider doing so. If I do see you around the state, please come up to me. I appreciate it. It encourages me. I can't tell you how encouraged I was by so many people who come up and say, hey, uh, I, I got this. I had one lady who came up to me in the convention hall and she said, I used to be someone who just thought that being a Republican meant you were someone who cared about the things that I cared about. And you opened my eyes. I now cannot unsee or unhear what it is I've seen or what it is I've heard. And I am fighting for conservative principles as a result. That's very humbling. (laughs) And I'm really grateful that so many of you have continued to engage. Know this, the more we are able to engage more Texans with that type of information, the more they will then further engage. And there were so many people I also met that this was their first convention ever. And I hope they get more and more involved in our party because the more they get involved, the stronger our party is going to be. And the more the politicians will have to actually deliver, which is our ultimate goal. If Republicans don't do something with the power they have, what's the point of having the power? And we've complained about that for a long time, but I'm telling you, there is an increasingly There's an increasingly clear understanding from average Republicans that that is the reality, that that is the time we're in, and we have a chance to change that trajectory of our party. I'm encouraged by it. I hope you are. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great week. God bless you, and God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. 
Honestly, though, visit TexasScorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.